Well, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. That's where we're going to be. That is where we're going to be this weekend. Uh, when I laid out the series in Philippians, I thought this would be a great, this would be a great like bonus passage or bonus sermon that we could look at. For the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at what it means to thrive. And so today I'm using 15 verses out of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And we're going to look at this issue of what it means to, what it means to live with hope. And, and what does that look like in life? You know, you know, the truth is this. There's a lot of choices that we have to make in life, right? I mean, there's a lot of decisions we have to make. There's a lot of choices that we have to make in life. And Paul begins talking to the, to the church there in Galatia about this issue of choices and this issue of life and these issues of decisions that we make. But we know this, right, that every, every day there's, there's a lot of choices, there's a lot of decisions that we have to make. Uh, this, this last week, I want to tell you a story that happened in my life. Um, I, I uh, had, a, had a, a lunch appointment. I got to the restaurant. I'm not going to tell you the restaurant's name, no matter how much you ask or how often you ask or, or what you offer me. I'm not telling you the name of the restaurant. And so uh, I, I got to the restaurant normal as normal as normal for me. Got there a few minutes early. I didn't take a seat or anything like that. I'm kind of in the front area, and I, I'm inside the restaurant, but I'm in the front area, and I'm waiting for the guy to show up that I'm going to have lunch with. And so he was running late, and so he sent me a text and said, you know, I'm going to be five, ten minutes late. I'm like, no worries. And so I, I had my phone, and I'm, I'm really I'm oblivious to what's going on around me. And so I'm checking email. I'm returning email. I'm making good use of my time. And so, uh, so, I, so I'm doing that. My head's down. All of a sudden, blood-curdling screams start. And it just the restaurant just erupts. And so, I mean, there it mass hysteria, it's panic in the restaurant, and I look down, and as I'm looking down into the restaurant, down to the front area, uh, all of a sudden I hear the word rat, and then all of a sudden I see a rat the size of like a small poodle run out into the, I'm telling you, it was a rat, it was not a mice, a mouse, it was a rat. And so I hadn't seen a rat that size since the mission field in, in, in Dominican Republic, in the ghetto. And so this rat comes running out, and, I mean, this rat is freaked out. The restaurant is freaked out. The young girls that work there, they're freaked out. Like, they're crying, and they're melting down and because they got to do something with this rat. And so they, they, got it, they got it, you know, herded over to, like, the wall. And this rat is trying to jump up this wall, trying to get away. And I'm like, that's not going to work. And so I'm watching. These girls are crying and they're screaming. You know what's interesting? I love people. I love the dynamics of people. So I'm just watching the restaurant. Most people are just continuing to eat. Just watch it. That's interesting. That is interesting. That's weird. And some people are, like, screaming. Some people are on chairs and that other stuff. And so the rat decides to break and run for it. And so I guess the rat knew only one thing to do and run back to the area in which it came and so it starts running back to the kitchen and so as it's running back to the kitchen a lady comes out of the kitchen and she and she like kicks it back into play and so <laughs> so now the rat is back into play it's fair game for everybody and so the girls are like freaking out they're crying and the only thing they knew to do so they take a trash can and they take this trash can 
and which was smart, and they throw it on top of the rat. So now they got the rat trapped. They take a dustpan, they put the dustpan under the trash can, and now they got this rat. And so they pick the rat up, and you can hear the rat like clawing. I mean, you can hear that. So he got this rat out, and she's like, "Oh, this is so gross!" And she's crying, "This is so gross! I can't believe I'm having to do this." And so, and so she's she's traumatized, right? And so now the question becomes, because life is full of questions, it's full of decisions. Now the question becomes what to do with the rat. Okay? So I know we live in Colorado, and there's a lot of you animal rights people out there. And so the animal rights people like, don't kill it, don't kill it. Listen, that discussion would never happen in my great state of Texas. Someone would have already killed that rat. It wouldn't even be up. I mean, someone would have stomped that rat and probably fried it and eaten it or whatever. But, but we're not, listen, we're not having that discussion in Texas. But in Colorado, you're going to have that discussion. And so animal rights people are like, what are you going to do with the rat? And I'm like, it's a rat. Kill the rat. And so, and so they're, going, they're going, you can't kill the rat. Do not kill the rat. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like the gorilla all over again and in, Colorado, in Pueblo. <laughs> And so, and so, and so they says, we're not going to kill the rat. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Because here's what I learned about animal rights people. They're emotional, right? I mean, they were breaking down. Men, they're like crying. You cannot kill the rat. And so, so they decided what we'll do is we'll go release the rat. It's like catch and release, I guess. And so we'll go release the rat. And so the animal rights people says, you can't release the rat. What if the rat doesn't get any food and it starves to death and it's a slow death? And it's a, I'm like, it's a rat. <laughs> anyway, the restaurant never said what they did with the rat. They just said, we will handle it in a proper, respectful way. So the question is, probably what you're wondering is, Charlie, did you eat there? <laughs> of course I did. I like their food. And so, uh, and so when, when my appointment showed up, I told him, he laughed, and he says, you're joking. I says, I'm not joking. I'm serious. He goes, really? And I go, listen, if you want to go somewhere else, I totally understand, but I want to eat here. And so he says, fine, we'll eat here. And I noticed he didn't eat much. And so, uh, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so there, there, there's choices, right? There's choices that we have in life. And there's choices that we go through, and some are more secular, some are more like that. But what Paul's talking about, the choices that we have in the Christian life, Paul is talking about this issue of choices that we have in the Christian life, that there's, that there's, there's, there's two extremes that people have chosen, or two extreme paths that people have chosen. And that's what he's talking about in the book of Galatians. And, and, and he's trying to help us understand that there's a right path, but there's a couple of extreme paths. Uh, in, in Philippians and in, in, in other places when Paul's writing uh, the letters to the churches, he's talking about that the Christian life is, is a race, right? We've heard that. The Christian life is a race. Many years of my Christian life, I believed it was more like a race, like a marathon. Not that I've ever run a marathon, <laughs> but I, my wife has. My wife and daughter have run a half marathon, and so I supported them, and in fact is... Uh, Amanda, I know. So, fact is, Amanda and Karen ran a half marathon. It was a half marathon, right? I'm supposed to tell you, my daughter's run a full marathon. <laughs> Excuse us while we talk. <laughs> okay, continue. And uh, so, Amanda's husband, Pete, and I, we supported our wives uh, on that marathon. We dropped them off, said good luck, and then we went and had breakfast. 
And, uh, and then we're back in time for them to cross the, the finish line and celebrate and everything else. And so, so for, for many years, I looked at the race like it was a marathon. In other words, that it's a, it's a race that is marked out for you. It has boundary markers. It has uh, water stations. It has people encouraging you. It has a start line. It has a finish line. All of those things. And I'm coming to believe with Scripture, and I'm coming to believe just looking at life, that really and truly the Christian life is not like a marathon. The Christian life is more like a mud run. Uh, I don't know if you've ever run a mud run. A couple of years back, Karen and I, we ran the Big Dog Brag and a mud run is just a fact is I'm running one this next weekend so if I don't show up church this next weekend send help and so uh, <laughs> but a mud run if you've never run a mud run a mud run has obstacles it has climbing walls it has places that you have to repel it has some water hazards it has some things that you have to crawl through fact is a, a mud run a true mud run uh, you, you build community as you run and you have people that encourage you. The fact is you have people that help you. You have people that help you repel. You have people that help you uh, over a wall. You have, you have people that help you as you run a mud run. And so I've come to believe that, you know what, I, I, think, I think the Christian life is more like a mud run to where there's some obstacles. See, this is what Paul's talking about in, in the book of Galatians. Paul's talking about a New Testament community where it's a community of, of believers. It's a, it's, a, it's a group of faith believers that are in community together, and you're running the race together through the obstacles. See, that's why Paul asked the question, who cut in on you? See, verse 5, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, the Scripture says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Such an important statement. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the, of, the yoke of slavery. And so it's critical for us to understand that, that what Paul's telling us is this. Paul says Christ has Christ set us free. And then in that, there's freedom. Now, there's some people that tell you, you know what, well, freedom is this. Freedom is nobody telling me what to do. Freedom is nobody tells me what to do. The Bible doesn't tell me what to do. The church doesn't tell me what to do. And freedom is that. Listen, let me tell you something. That is not freedom. That is slavery. And you become slave to your own desires. You become slave to your sinful desires. That is not freedom. That is not freedom at all. What he says is, he says, Christ is the one that has set us free. In other words, Paul says in the book of Galatians that there's, that there's, there's, there's two paths that people have taken within the church. And he, he's so concerned about those paths because Paul would say they're, they're a wrong path. fact is what Paul says in Galatians, there, there's a wrong path, and that path would be this. That path would be, I'm going to work my way to heaven. In other words, legalism. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do more good things than bad things. I'm going to work my way to heaven, and I'm going to get to heaven that way by just doing a bunch of good stuff. See, legalism is this. Legalism is when we ever we, 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 we replace Christ with something, that if I do this, then I get to go to heaven. In other words, Christ becomes no benefit to you at all. And so what Paul is saying is Paul is saying this issue of works is dangerous. I, I um, Muhammad Ali was a uh, was a um, was a person that my 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 dad and I watched. I mean, from the time I can remember growing up, we watched most of his fights. He was like a, a hero, and and um, it was just something my dad and I did together. And I have so many wonderful memories of watching Muhammad Ali and and just time with my dad. And so uh, when he passed away, I I had interest, and so I I live streamed Muhammad Ali's funeral. And so it, it was a long funeral, a lot of people involved. But I never will forget when one of his daughters did the eulogy. 
And so she told of a time when her dad, Muhammad Ali, was in a car with a driver. There was a homeless guy on the side of the road. So Muhammad Ali says, hey, pull over. I, I think I need to talk to that guy. They put him in the car. And Muhammad Ali hears his story. And for whatever reason, Muhammad Ali all of a sudden wrote out a check. And from what I understand, she didn't say the amount, but it was a very large check. And so she wrote out a check. She gives it to the, He gives it to this, this homeless guy. This homeless guy looks at it. He's shocked. And he says, I cannot accept this. And Muhammad Ali says, what do you mean you can't accept this? I'm, 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 I'm going to change your life. And he says, I cannot accept this. And so Muhammad Ali got angry and got aggravated. And he finally looked at the guy and he said, listen, man, take the money. I'm trying to work my way to heaven. I'm trying to get into heaven. Don't you understand? And my heart just sank when I heard him say that. It was so disappointing when I heard I mean, can you imagine living a life that you're just trying to work your way to heaven? I mean, you're trying to earn your way to see Paul's saying that's that's like the that's like the the wrong path. I mean, it's this it's this group of people that believe that you know what? I'll I'll work my way to heaven, I'll earn my in fact this is his daughters, Muhammad Ali's daughter said, My dad, his entire life, the reason he gave, the reason he did what he did is because he was continually telling us, You've got to work your way to heaven, you gotta earn your way to heaven, you gotta and Paul would say that's no way to live, that's bondage. But there's another group of people, there's another extreme in the church, and this extreme is this, I'll do it my way. I mean it's just kinda like Frank Sinatra. I mean, I'll live life. I'll do it my way. The Bible's not going to tell me how to live. Uh, the church isn't going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to speak into my life. And Paul would say, you know what? That right there, that's bondage. That is not freedom. That is, that is, that is bondage. I mean, it's the gospel. The gospel is intended. Man, the gospel is intended to, to be believed, and it's intended to be obeyed. I mean, you understand that, right? I mean, remember those passages that, that we really like where, where one day God says, well done, my good and faithful servant? God never said, well believed, well worked, well accomplished, well intended. I mean, God said, well done. I mean, just well done, my good and faithful service. In other words, the gospel is this. The gospel is not only intended to be believed, but it's intended to be obeyed. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, he says, he said, you were running well. I mean, you were running well. I mean, you're running the race well. And, and something, something happened. Something happened in your Christian life. And he asked the que question, who hindered you from obeying the truth? I mean, who was it? Who was it? See, see, if you're not careful, you will allow hurts, pains, betrayal, loss, difficulty to make you push away. And Paul's like, who did that? Listen, I'm telling you, I've lived long enough, and I've come to the point, I am not going to allow one person to hinder me from running the race, from obeying the gospel. I mean, the gospel is meant to be applied to your, your, your life. Galatians 5, 5, and 6 uh, says this, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the, for the hope of righteousness, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And this is such an important line. But only faith working, keyword, working through love. 
So I want to give you four boundary markers, just real quickly, four boundary markers that if, that if we understand this, this I'm going to work my, he- my way to heaven is not right, or I'm going to live life my way is not right, then what is, what is the right way? What is the right path? What is Paul saying through the book of Galatians? What is the right path? The first one is this. The right path is when we li- live through the Spirit. The right path is when we just come to that place that we just live through the, the Spirit. Paul talks in Galatians. He talks in Ephesians. He talks in Ephes- uh, Ephesians and Philippians about, about the Holy Spirit. And, and who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Holy Spirit enables us to f- sense to feel the presence of Christ in our lives. That's why Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, the issue about the Holy Spirit, how does Christ live in me? He lives in me through the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit unites me with Christ. The Holy Spirit enables us to live the the, the Christian life. It's Christ lives in us. Listen, we're not free from Christ. Instead, we are free to Christ. Christian freedom, listen, Christian freedom does not mean I live however I want. Christian freedom does not mean I get to treat people however I want. Whenever we say that, I'm telling you, whenever someone says that, they're living in bondage. They're living in slavery. I I surround myself purposely with some lost people that do not attend this, this church in the community. And you know what I find with a lot of lost people is they talk about this freedom. And they talk about this freedom. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live life however I want to live, Bible and all that other stuff. But then I start listening to their life. And I'm like, you're not in freedom. You're in bondage. Man, it, and you're in bondage to the flesh. And you're in bondage to your sinful desires. I mean, when I look at them and I listen to their life, I'm like, that, that's, not, that's not free. But see, I'm telling you this issue. When Christ sets us free, that, that we're free, and he begins to transform us. And, and, and as he transforms us, his desires become our desires. And that's why Paul would say, he says, now, now I'm free. I'm free to obey Christ. In fact, as Jesus said in John 15, 10, he said, if you, keep, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And just as, I've, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you so now we know where joy comes from so that your joy may be so that your joy may be full, uh, may be full and so what what he's talking about is this is that is that the longer we mature the longer as we walk with Christ all of a sudden we 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 all of a sudden there's freedom because his desires become our desires because there there's transformation in other words look look what apostle John says in in 1 John 5:3 he said, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, this, sometimes when, when people first come to Christ, they're like, ah, oh, all these commands, all this stuff, it seems like a burden, it seems hard. But the longer we work, walk with Christ, and the more that we're transformed and we become like him, all of a sudden his desires become our desires and what. What the Apostle John would say is this, that all of a sudden we look at them, they're not, they're not a burden at all because we understand that's, that's where joy is found, that's where, that's where freedom is found. Listen, what, 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 what Paul says is obedience and love go together. I mean, he's, verse 13 in Galatians chapter 5, he says, For we were called to, we were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. 
but through love, so he's going to use that word again, love, but through love, how about this? Serve one another. Serve one another. And whenever someone says, you know, I'm a Christian, I, I can do whatever I want, and I can treat people however I want, and still go to heaven, that's not freedom. That's Listen, I'm telling you, perfection is not the goal. We'll never be perfect. We'll, only God can be the perfect father. We'll never be a perfect dad. We'll never be a perfect husband. We'll never be a perfect person. So the goal is not perfection. The goal is this, that the gospel is displayed in our life to where there's love, to where there's forgiveness, to where there's uh, authenticity, to where there's, there's this, this something that is just real. See, it's not perfection. It's where people can see Christ in us. The second principle is this, where Paul is talking about the right path, is this. He said the right path is, is lived by faith. That the right path is, is, is lived not only by the Spirit, but the right path is, is, is lived by faith. Uh, Paul says in verse 2, he says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. In other words, what Paul is saying this, if you're in the camp that says, if I can do more good stuff than bad stuff, I'm going to work my way to heaven, uh, then you know what Paul's saying? Paul is saying, you know what, Christ is like no value to you. Uh, the cross is of no value to you. That if you if you believe you can make it on your own, if you believe you can live a perfect enough life, then, then Christ, Christ is like no value to you. Verse 3, he goes on, he says, and I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision. He's talking about, he's talking about legalism at this point that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And so you know what you know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this. You know what? If if you believe, if you if you believe that I could work my way to heaven, then Paul would say this that then you gotta keep the whole law. You gotta be perfect. You gotta come to I mean you can, you cannot make one mistake. You've got to live a perfect life. In other words, this you cannot just keep some of it, you have to keep all of it. Verse four he goes on and he says, You you are severed from Christ. You would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, stop right there. Paul is not saying that you can lose your salvation. Paul is not saying that if you have been transformed, if you've had a, 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 an experience with Christ and you're a believer, he is not saying that you can lose your salvation. I mean, he used the term justified. And Paul never, ever uses the term that you were once justified, now you're like unjustified. So you don't see unjustified, you see justified. And so you and I can have strong confidence that once we meet Christ, and it is authentic and it is real, that we cannot lose our salvation. That we're under grace. And that, and that we're not working for God. See, this is freedom. We are not working for God. God is working through us. And there's a difference. And then God's pleasure in us is not based upon our performance. Instead, God's pleasure in us is, grace, is based upon Christ's performance in us. So, verse 5, he says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. In other words, what Paul is saying when, when you run the race, that there's this, there's this, you live with hope, and you cannot wait, listen, you cannot wait to cross the finish line. You cannot wait to see Christ face to face. You cannot wait to see God. You cannot wait for heaven. In other words, there, there's hope that, that you know this when people have run a marathon or a half marathon or a mud run or any type of those races. There, there is a celebration at the end, right? 
And there, there, there's points in which that race that, you know what, that the only way that you get through it. I mean, we have a saying, and it starts with me a lot quicker than others, but we have a saying in our house that when we're doing some of that stuff that it, it's all mental from here. And you know what? There, there are some times in the Christian life when we go through obstacles and we go through difficulty that we just say, you know what? It's, it's, it's all spiritual from here. It's all mental from here. It's all based upon our choices from here. I mean, the, and we live with this hope of crossing the finish line of, of heaven. The third principle, if you're on the right path, is this. The third principle is this, is that the right path is to live in hope. That the right path is to live in hope. Uh, verse 5, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. In other words, there is, there is something coming. There is something coming. There is out, there's something out there in the future. It's, it's, it's like a finish line. It's like, uh, it's, like, it's like a celebration. And so the picture is this. Is there, there is coming a day. And so the picture is this. So there's coming a day when we'll stand before God. And we have been, we have been justified. Uh, we have peace with God. We have been reconciled to God. But that, that's kind of like present tense. That's, that's already happened. But there's coming a day in the future. And here's a crazy thing. There's coming a day in the future when we'll experience the full understanding of the full righteousness of Christ applied to our life. And Paul is saying, I, I long for that. He said, I, so Paul would look at like Judgment Day where a lot of us, when we think of Judgment Day, we, we don't think that'd be very fun, right? It's something that we probably, we probably don't look forward to. Most people, I'm just speaking of most people, sometimes will look at Judgment Day. I, I, uh, it's something not to be looked forward to. I'll never forget, I, I, I met Christ in, in the 80s, and at the church that I was at, uh, they had a proper understanding of Judgment Day. And so our, our preacher would quite often, with a lot of preachers in the 80s, would say, you know, Judgment Day is like when... When God's going to have that proverbial uh, uh, motion picture in the sky, and He's going to sit down with you, and He's going to go through your life, and He's going to show you everything that you've ever done wrong. See, that's a that's a poor view of Judgment Day. So Paul's like, Paul's like, I cannot wait for Judgment Day because that's going to be the day when Christ's righteousness is going to be fully applied to my life. And I'm going to experience that. I mean, I'm going to experience that in all of its fullness. Listen, if, you, if, you're, if you're living in the past, I'm going to work my way to heaven. I'm going to do more good stuff than bad stuff. Then, then you probably should be concerned about Judgment Day. And the reason I say this is this, is because you know what? There's always more good stuff to do. There's always You could always do it better. You could, there's always more boxes to check, and there's always more things to do, and there's always, you could always do it better. But then if you've lived your life on the other path, to where you say, you know, I'm just going to do it my way. God's not going to tell me how to live. Those scriptures in the Bible that I disagree with and I, and I don't like, I'm ignoring that because God's not going to tell me how to live. The Bible's not going to tell me how to live. I'll treat people however I want. I'll do whatever I want then I'm telling you, that also should give you some concern. See, what Paul is talking about, Paul says when Christ has set you free, it's freedom to, to eagerly await seeing God. It's this anticipation of being able to stand before Him and feel and experience Christ's righteousness being applied to your life. Listen, 
It doesn't mean we're perfect. We still run the race. We still run the race. We still fall. We still sin. We still struggle. We still have problems. We get up. We ask for forgiveness. We don't let anyone cut in on us. We don't let anyone hinder us. And we keep running the race. And the freedom is this. And we eagerly await. Now, you talk to anybody that's run a race, and you talk to them at a certain mile marker within that race, they cannot wait. They cannot wait for the finish line. They cannot wait for the celebration. They cannot wait for that meal or that food that they've been dying, the, the, denying themselves for, for, for training and all those other things. There's this, there's this anticipation, and Paul says that's how we live with hope. We live with hope, and we understand what's coming. The fourth and the last principle is this, the right path. The right path is to live with love. The right path is to, is to come to that place where we, we live with love. Uh, verse 6, and he says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Abba, Father. In other words, that word Abba is an Aramaic term, and it's a very specific Aramaic term for, for, for Father. But it's not a, it's not a proper term. It's, um, it's the most intimate term within the Aramaic language that, 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 uh, that they had available to them at their time of, of referring to the Father, their earthly Father. And so it wouldn't be Father. It would be, as you heard Andy, it would be Daddy, um, Pops, whatever is that intimate term that you have for your father, Paul uses in relationship to God. That he's my, he's my daddy. He's my, he's my Pops. And I, I have this intimate, close relationship to him. And I, I look forward to seeing him face to face. Because he's a, he's a good, good father. And he's calling me in to a deeper relationship with him. And he wants good for me. And not to hurt me and not to harm me. Uh, the, the book of James and the, the book of First John talks about this issue of faith. And it talks about this issue that, that, it, that it, of faith and, and works, that, that if, we, if we really have faith, then works comes out of that faith. In other words, there's this fruit that comes out of it. It's not the other way around. That, that you can look at a person's life and you can see that you can see things working in their life and you can see evidence in their life. And so we come to that place to where we understand what it means to have a relationship with him. Verse 13, he says, for we, were, for we were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Through love, serve, just serve one another. I mean, it, it's Christ who produces this fruit in you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to, not to be served, but to serve, and to, and to give his life away, to give his life as a ransom for, for many. It is Christ, listen, it is, it is Christ living in you, what Paul says. It changes the way you live. 
that changes the way you handle relationships, that changes the way, I mean, it's, it's this New Testament community that just builds to where you're encouraging one another, you're loving one another, and you're, you're supporting. See, we don't use our freedom because we're free to live however we want or treat people however we desire. I, I, I've told you this before that I'm so concerned about our country on this, this one, on many levels, but this, this one level is that you just, you look at the climate of politics and you look at what's going on in our community and you look at what's going on in our, in our country and, and we, we've lost, listen, we've lost the ability to be able to just have civil discourse. Listen, we've, we've lost the ability to disagree with someone and still love them. Just, listen, just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean they're your enemy. Doesn't mean you have to hate them. Doesn't mean you have to level them. I mean, Paul is saying that we don't use our freedom. He says this. What? Look at this, verse 14. He says, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall, you shall love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor, neighbor as your, as yourself. Just as you're passionate about meeting your needs and taking care of yourself, you should care about those that are around you. I'm telling you, the church, the church should be different. I've, I've told you that I have relationships around me of people who are very, very far away from, from God, and I, and I do that intentionally. I was with a man a couple of weeks ago, and and um, and and we're just visiting, and and so I, I asked him. I says, "Hey, tell me tell me your story. I mean, are are you a Christian? Do you consider yourself a Christian?" He says, "Oh yeah." He says, "I used to attend church. I grew up in church. I attended church for a number of years, and I went to church, and and uh, but I'll I'll never be back." And I says, "Why?" And he says, I, "Man, I was just part of a church, and some Christians got angry, and there was a lot of yelling and screaming and name calling and all these other things." And and he says, "I I will." I'll just, I'll, I'll never be a part of that. I mean, Paul would say, who cut in on you? Who hindered you? That's why Paul ended this verse in verse 15, and he said, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul says that if you no longer express your faith through love, you no longer love your neighbor as yourself, you will bite and you will devour one another, and oh, You'll consume them, and they'll consume you. You'll destroy your life. See, church should be different. From, that's what Paul said. It's amazing the number of conversations that I have where, where, where people will come, and they'll visit, and, they'll, and they say, we really like Fellowship of the Rockies, and we want to we invite some friends, but we just want to make sure our friends are not going to be, we're new to the church, so we don't want them to be shamed or judged. And, and I said, you know what, we're, we're free of that here. We're free of that here. So let me tell you something. Just because you disagree with someone, just because you disagree with their choices, just because you disagree with their lifestyle, just, just because you disagree with their political alignment, anything like that, listen, the Bible says you can still love them. And you're still called to love them. That's the way a church reaches a community. Freedom in Christ. Is not freedom to treat people however we want. Freedom in Christ is to come to this place and to express ourselves through love. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me let me just ask you, 
what is God saying to you as, as a result of this message? What, what is He saying to you? What is He saying to you as a result of His Word? Listen, let, let me just ask you a real personal question this Father's Day, and, and I get that, I understand that. Have you ever accepted Christ? Do you know Him? Have you been running the path of, I'm going to work my way to heaven, I'm going to do enough religious stuff, I'm going to do more good stuff than bad stuff? Or are you in the other camp where, you know what, I made a decision, I, I believe I'm a Christian, but you know what, I really believe that I, I can live life however I want. God's not going to tell me how to live. The Bible's, you know what, the Bible's not going to tell me how to live. fact is, I don't even know if the Bible's true, so I'm just going to discount it. And I'm just going to make the choices that I want. Let me, let me tell you something, that is not freedom, that is, that is bondage. So have you ever come to the place to where you just know that you know? I mean, what a... What a great time to accept Christ as the perfect Father then on Father's Day. If you just ask Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, give you the gift of eternal life, and then just say, to the very best of my ability, I'm, I'm going to continue on this path. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn what it means to be a believer. Maybe you're a believer this morning. What is God saying to you this morning? Are you expressing your faith through love? Can you disagree with someone and still love them? And minister to them. And accept them. Can they still call you their friend, even though they know you have different beliefs than them? Paul would say that's freedom in the Christian life. That we don't bite and devour one another. That we're going to live in freedom. We're going to live in freedom. Maybe you're here this afternoon or this morning and say, you know what, I, I just need someone to pray for me. I'm carrying a burden. I got this burden. I just need a prayer request. I just need someone to pray for me. I have this prayer request. Whether it's for you personally or you'd like to pray for someone, we would love to pray for you. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And, and then when we stand after I pray, I'm just going to invite you. If you need prayer in any area of your life, if you're carrying that burden, we want to minister to you. We want to pray for you. So as we stand up, would you step out if you need prayer? and come to the front. You don't have to walk alone. People be walking with you. We'll have prayer partners down here that would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. So if you need prayer after I pray, you come. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you just for the power of your word, the power of your name. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good father, that you are a perfect father. Then in relationship to you, we can have freedom. Father, I just ask that you'd pull this church close to you. Those that need prayer, Father, would they understand this is a safe place? And would they have received prayer? Would they know that they have met with you? Would they know that you're a good and perfect Father? You not only hear their requests, but you respond to them. Thank you for story after story in the front of this room that we have where you have answered some pretty big prayers. So, Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do on this Father's Day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.